All right, Sturkey, how are we doing this morning? I know, right? How many of y'all woke up this morning and thought you left the air conditioner on outside? Hey, listen, don't, don't change the channel. Don't know you're expecting Joel, and I am not Joel, I'm a close facsimile, but your pastor, Pastor Joel, is taking some time off. He's going with his family. They're going away for a little bit to relax, get some R&R. But let me take a second to tell you about your pastor. He's my pastor as well. I sit at his feet and I learn every day. This guy loves you in this church, in this community so much. Like, it, it's, it sounds a little cliche to say that, but he does. I've known him for almost 15 years and I don't know anybody who prays harder for his congregation than Pastor Joel. So can we give it up for Pastor Joel real quick? Absolutely. And shameless plug, I'll throw this out for it. And he's not here and he's should be on the boat on a cruise right now. But when he gets Wi-Fi, he'll see this. So he may not get it in time. October is missions month here at Sturkey Hills, but it's also Pastor Appreciation Month. And... Most times you don't even realize this Pastor Appreciation Month until the end of the month. And you're like, man, I wish I would have known earlier. Hey, this is your cue right now for you to reach out and let Pastor Joel know how much he means to you, what he means to this church, what he means to the congregation, and how he's impacted your life. For you to be able to tell him that would be amazing because he's a humble guy. He never wants any spotlight. He always tries to divert it to somebody else. But for you, either you leave him a note, shoot him an email, uh, whatever it is, he, I think it would be really special if you let him know just exactly how much his congregation loves him and prays for him on a daily basis. Can you all do that for me? Absolutely. Can we give it one more time for Pastor Joel? He's, he's the real deal. Now listen, my name is Robbie. It's pronounced D. Jarnett. I know a lot of you have looked at it. So I don't even want to try that. It looks all fancy in French, but I'm just an East Tennessee boy from Anderson County. So we just keep it simple. D. Jarnett. Now listen, I have five kids. I know you're like, how can you have five kids? You don't look a day over 25. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I've got four grown daughters and one little three-year-old with a faux hawk running around. That's a holy terror. Have y'all seen him? Cute as a button. Don't ask me what I was thinking, but... We've come here, we came in, in April, and Pastor Joel and Pastor Tim and the whole staff has welcomed us, and you guys have welcomed us and loved on us, and I can't thank you so much for the way that you have loved on us. Now, before we jump into this, before we get to the nitty-gritty, I always like to take time and, and just pray over about what's about to happen because we want to make sure that everything we do is honoring to God. We want to make sure that we invite him into the room first and foremost so that we can get something from it. So let's pray real quick. Father God, we ask you right now, with everything going on, with all the hustle and bustle in life, for the next hour, we're just asking you to put all these mind monsters that are going on in our head, we're just going to put them on hold. And God, we're going to invite you in we ask you to come in and search our hearts. And God, let us find if there's anything that's, that's unpleasant to you. And God, we're going to offer that up to you as a, as a living sacrifice today. So be with me. God, don't let them hear what Robbie wants to say, but let them hear what you have to say through me. So God, we love you. And in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So we're in the middle of a series 
Can I get a witness talking about the church in the book of Acts and what that looks like, what, what the people, why there was such a movement where you had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people being baptized and, and brought into the fold and accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I was talking to Pastor Joel about it. It's like, hey, I know we're talking about it, but the church of Turkey Hills is a lot like that church. And I'm not saying that from a bragging standpoint. I'm not trying to get a cheap pop off of it. But if you look around, you really pull back the veil a little bit and you look at the church of Sturkey Hills, there's a lot of similarities. And before we can go out and before we can be this, this church, this Acts church, I think it'd be good for us to go back to the basics a little bit. Go back to who we are. Go back to why we do some of the stuff we do. Because if we get to the point where we're rocking and rolling and we don't understand how we get there and something happens, we can't fix it. So we gotta have a plan. So what is that plan for the Church of Sturkey Hills? What, what makes us different? What makes us set apart from everybody else? And I think it's the fact that we live for God. Would you agree with that? We always wanna put God first. And let me just say this, for far too long, the church has been known for what it's against. You can write a list a mile long and you can ask anybody in the world and they will have a different opinion what the church is against. We wanna be a church known for what we're for. We wanna flip the script in a world where it's always about hate and, and tearing people down before they even get started and cancelization. We want people to know what we're for. We wanna build a church that's so big and so strong that Heaven forbid that day come we have to sh close the doors that the community is at our doors banging on the doors saying, you all can't close. We need you all too bad. You are literally the city on a hill that's protecting our community. That's the kind of church that we want to build. We want to build a church that's for uh, families, for moms, single moms, uh, stepmoms, for dads. We want to build a church that's for kids and students and schools and teachers. We want to build a church that is for coaches and administrators, local government, whether you voted for them or not. We want to pray for our government. I don't care what party, if you're red, red, blue, purple, polka dot, whatever it is, we need to be praying for our local administrators. We need to be praying for our mayors and our, our councilmen because if we're not going to pray for them, who is? We want to be for our police departments, our firefighters, our EMS workers, all of our first responders. We need to be praying for our businesses. We need to be praying for anybody who comes in because we need to be for our community. That's the kind of church that the book of Acts was. That's what was so attractional to them. Because see, people don't, didn't care what, what background was. All they knew is something big was happening and they wanted to be a part of it. And this, this guy is named, named Jesus. He was doing some radical things because our Jesus was a disruptor. He came in and he didn't just go with the status quo because that's what felt comfortable. He came in and he really stepped on some toes and made some people mad. So today, I'm gonna walk you through this and I'm hoping I don't step on too many toes, but if I do, just know it's out of love. And I'm hoping you don't get too mad. And if you do, send the emails to tim at sturkey.church. Because I have absolutely no authority over you. 
Pastor Joel's our pastor, but he has absolutely no authority over you. I can't make you do anything. But when we go to scripture and we see what God says about different situations and we hear what Jesus taught about different situations and we feel the Holy Spirit come in and move on different situations, the authority comes from scripture, not me. So today, with your permission, if I step on your toes, I'm going to tell you I'm sorry, but, but I need you to pay attention, okay? Can you all do that? All right, so let's get started. So we're, anytime, we, we talk anything, anytime we talk about anything that God says, we always start with Scripture, right? We back it up. We start with Scripture, reverse engineer it. So we're going to start in Matthew 22. So if you've got your Bibles, pull them out, Matthew 22. If you don't have your Bible with you, listen, I'm going to encourage you. I know you got it on your phone. I know you got it on your tablet. I know you got all kinds of e-things. There's something powerful about opening a physical book and being able to write notes in it. Some of you are like, oh, you can't write in the Bible. Yes, you can. That's why they left margins. That's why they left notes. I don't know if you can see in my Bible, I've got post-it notes. I've got highlighters. I've got tabs. I've got all kinds of stuff because that's studying it. I have notes everywhere. So we're going to start in with Matthew 22. And we're going to look at verse 37. But you always got to look at before and after, right? You can't, it's easy to go in and just get a verse to push your agenda. But let's set the stage. Matthew 22, this, this is where uh, Jesus is talking, talking to people. And you got two groups of people. And you got the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And some of you can't tell the difference between a Sadducee and a Pharisee and a heresy and, and come and see and all this other stuff. But let me just break it down for you real simple. Sadducees, they were the upper class. They were the high, uh, uh, hoity-toity, highfalutin. They had all the money, and they didn't like Jesus because Jesus was coming in saying that ever but the least of these shall be the first, the last of first. And, and he, they were disrupting the natural flow of everything because they had the money, they had the prestige, they had everything, and they didn't want anybody to come and tell them that they couldn't have it. Okay? Then you got the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders at the time, they were your, your priests, and they didn't like Jesus because before you had to come to a, a Pharisee and a priest, and you would pay them money, and they would go talk to God for you. So if, if Aunt Mildred got diagnosed with cancer and you needed to pray to God, you couldn't pray to yourself because at that time the veil hadn't been torn. So you would go to the priest, and you would pay them two chickens and a goat, and he would go pray to God for you. So... Neither one of these groups like Jesus, but they hated each other longer, more because they've been hating each other longer. Jesus is just this new thing. So the Sadducees were asking Jesus, okay, if, what if there's seven brothers and the first one marries, marries somebody and then he dies and then she gets married to the other brother and the other brother, who's he get married to in heaven? And he's like, you goober. When you get to heaven, who cares? We're gonna be, we're gonna be worshiping God. You're worrying about this little stuff down here. We're worrying about big picture stuff. And so he shuts them down. And here's the weird thing. The Pharisees normally be like, aha, you, you, got, you got school right there. You got told what you got told one for. You can't defute that. But rather than taking time, they hated Jesus so much, they went in and tag teamed it. They came around and said, like, oh, you think you're so smart. Let me trip you up. Little did they know they were messing with Jesus. Because my Jesus is a disruptor. He's going to mess with you. So if you look at it, 
And we'll back up just a little bit. We'll start in verse 34. It says, hearing that, they had silenced the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested them with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus kind of paused a minute. He said, boy, let me tell you what it is. Jesus replied, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Backing up, if you study Jewish law, the first five books of the Bible, every, they, had, they had every law in place. And every, this one's over this one, this one's over this one, this one's back here. And they studied and they went forward and backwards and sliced and diced. It was like the Waffle House of, of biblical scholars. You could have it any way you wanted, but they had an order. So it said, love, the God, love God with all your heart and mind, uh, all your soul and all your mind. The first, this is the first and greatest commandment. He could have stopped right there and they would have been stumped. But not my Jesus. My Jesus went on. And he said, and the second was like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. It's pretty simple, right? But if you love God and love people, you're going to be for God and for people. And if you're those OCD people, like my wife who's trying to get the notes before we talked about today, I said, no, first two blanks are for God, for people. Now, Robbie, what does that look like? What does that mean? Listen, if we're going to be for God, where does God land on our priority list? First, we got to put God first. We got to put God first in everything we do. Let's be real. Sometimes God's lucky to make the top five. It's all right. No judgment. But if we really want to be that church, that church that moves, that church that impacts our community, we have to put God first. How do we do that, Robbie? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's a couple, couple ways to do that. Number one, start your day of prayer. Now, I know what you're thinking. Every good Christian wakes up. You see it on Instagram, wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning. They spend three hours in prayer. Then they spend another two hours studying the Bible. Then they spend another three hours doing commentary. I don't know who these people are. I've got a job in kids. I'm not spending 18 hours in the Bible. Call me a heretic, but I'm just keeping it real. But I do know that when I get up in the morning, I do have a little bit of quiet time. Because when you've got a three-year-old in the house, that's the only time you're going to get quiet. But what about if we just start the day with a simple prayer? And just know, as I go down through these, these are not saying if you do these, you're a good Christian. These are just suggestions, things you can do. I'm trying to give you practical ways that you can insert these into your life so that you can be a better you. Because truth be told, God wants more for you than he wants from you. But we can't give God half our heart and ask him to make it whole. How many of y'all have ever bought a gym membership? How many of y'all stopped going to the gym a month after you put the, the payment into the gym membership? Gym memberships are great. I th I'm, I'm all about living healthy. But I also have a three-year-old. I'm all about asleep too. And for the first two years, we got no sleep in our house. And I was, was not thinking about going to the gym. But if we want God to bless our family, if we want God to bless our lives, we got to be able to put God first. We got to be able to put in the work. So for some of us, it's saying a simple prayer. When you get up in the morning, please, God, don't let me kill my boss today. It's real. 
Back it up scripture, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be given to you as well. That's Matthew 6.33. How about this? How about subscribe to a podcast? Robbie, listen, I don't have time. How many of y'all drive at least 20 minutes to work? If you drive 20 minutes in and 20 minutes out, that's 40 minutes. What are you filling your time with? You've got to be intentional. Do you know Craig Rochelle has a podcast? He brags about it being 20 minutes. Why? Because much longer, we want to get in and out. And he'll even give you notes. If you subscribe to the podcast, he'll send the notes to the email. So you can sit there and look at the notes for all you fill in the blank people. I is one. Subscribe to the podcast. How about this? How about play a sermon at some point during the week? Now, I'm on staff here. I get paid to listen to Pastor Joel. I do it for free. But I get paid to do that. Do you know what I do when I come in Monday morning? I pull it up on my computer and I listen to it again. Why? How many of y'all have ever watched a movie several times, you know, forward and backwards, and you see something for the first time you've never seen before? Happens. I just watched Goonies the other day and I saw something I've never seen before. Goonies, it's, it's a movie from the 80s. It's some, some of y'all need to go look it up. It's an instant classic. But I pick up stuff every day. Sometimes it, it depends on what's in my mind. Sometimes it depends on where I'm walking. I've listened to messages for two, three years ago that I pick up today. And I learned something from. So listen to a podcast. Listen to Pastor Joel. Go back. You can get it in audio. You can get it in video. You can watch it. You can listen to it. You can do it while you're mowing the grass. It's easy. Technology is amazing. How about this? How about journaling your faith? Don't, show, don't raise your hands because you'll make me feel bad. How many of y'all journal? How many of y'all write down your prayers? You know what's really cool? I was in a small group one time and we journaled all of our prayer requests. We put them in a book, a little composition book, cost 99 cents. We had prayer requests that were answered six days later, six weeks later, six years later. We had one prayer request that was answered 20 years later. And we were able to go back and we would circle it and highlight it and make a star of it. Because God still moves today. The problem is the outside world doesn't think that God's real because they don't see him because we don't share the stories that we've seen God move. Journal. Write down your thoughts. How about this? How about before you take to Facebook, before you take to your sister-in-law, before you take to your best friend with your troubles, what if we just took our troubles to God? Get angry. Wait a minute, wait a minute, let me back up. Let me take this to God. Because I know I'm not the only person who gets cut off in traffic and want to lose Jesus. But what I have to stop and think is after I pray, I realize, hey, maybe they're running late. Maybe, maybe they forgot their, their kids at school or maybe their, their kid's been in a car accident or maybe, maybe whatever it is. Fill in the blank. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to fill in the gap of grace. Sometimes I just say, well, they're so important. That's obvious they had to get there before I did. Even though they cut me around, I met them at the next light. Jesus loves you. I don't. But it's real. What if we took our problems to God first? I'm just saying. So if we're for God, we're going to put him first, but then the other side of it is for four people. And we got to be for people. Jesus was for people. 
Jesus stopped in the middle of the road when the woman with the issue of blood touched his robe. He stopped and talked to her. He stopped at the woman at the well who he shouldn't be talking to because culturally that was unacceptable. He stopped and he talked to him. He stopped because people were important. If people are important to Jesus, people need to be important to us. So how do we do that? How do we put people first, Robbie? I'm glad you asked. When was the last time you prayed for somebody by name when they weren't in your presence? I'll go one step further. When was the last time you prayed for somebody? How about this? How about you reserve one day a week to take someone to lunch and talk about what God's doing in their life? I'm Southern Baptist enough where I like to eat. If you feed me, I'm gonna be there. But how many times do you talk with somebody about what's going on in their life? How many times do you know the real story behind it? Because here's the truth. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Jesus didn't start off as saying, hey, you need to worship my dad. He started off as saying, hey, how can I help you? How can I come alongside you? How can I love on you? How can I heal you? The faith comes second. Too many of us feel like, oh, I can't do that because I didn't go to seminary. I don't have a degree in, in it. I don't have, I'm not able to do this. Stop. If you can get down on one knee and you can hug a child and you can tell them that Jesus loves you, God can use you in mighty ways. So don't discredit yourself just because you, you weren't called to vocational ministry. I wasn't called to vocational ministry either. I was called to marketing and business. Through that, I got called in the ministry and now I'm using that, that skill set that God gave me for big ways. God can use you no matter who you are or what you do. God's alive and well today. The same God yesterday, the same God today, the same God tomorrow. And he wants to be part of your life. How about this? How about writing a note? How many of y'all remember note cards? Once upon a time you used to get a note, you're like, oh, it's just a note. Now, They've done studies that said that if a handwritten note is worth more than money for some people as far as encouragement. Because why? Because you have to stop what you're doing. You have to put pen to paper. You have to pull up Google and make sure you spell the word correctly. Because once you write it down, it ain't coming off. You can't hit backspace on that mug. Just me. But a handwritten note means more than anything. And then if you take one step further, you actually get their address. You put it on there. You put a stamp. You put it in this magic blue box, and it teleports to their house. It's really cool. I've got a black one out in front of my house. Stuff just keeps popping up there. I don't know where it comes from. But I've got people that I wrote notes to 15 years ago that still have it at their office or in their Bible. They said, this meant the world to me, and this changed how I viewed myself. If you work in an office environment, post-it notes. Write a note on there, stick it on the monitor. You don't even have to be there. You don't have to sign it. Hey, you're doing a great job. I see what you're doing. That means the world to people. And again, people don't know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if we're going to be for people, that's what we've got to do. How about this? How about reserve one night a month where you and your spouse invite another couple or, or a group of friends over to your house just to hang out? We're not talking about having a Bible study. We're not talking about watching the, the Chronicles of Narnia. We're not talking about any of those things. We're about, how about you just come over and fellowship with me? Because that's what Jesus did. He went and hung out with the lepers. He went and hung out with the drunks. He went and hung out with people. Why? Because we have to be for people. 
We have to be willing to put ourselves second and put other people first. Now, some of you, you're going to love this next one. How about you spend 10 minutes on Facebook and figure out what everybody else is doing and how you can come alongside of them? Some of you are like, dude, I got that. I spend two, three hours on Facebook every day. But are we intentional? We had somebody that, that lost a, a loved one that I hadn't seen in forever, and I just took my phone out and I texted him. I said, hey, man, I just heard. I'm so sorry. If there's anything I can do, let me know. He said, man, you have no idea how much that means to me. I hadn't seen him in a while, but I knew I loved him. Here's something I do. I'll be sitting at the couch, playing with Sai, talking to the girls, watching TV, whatever it is, and I'll just pull up my phone. Somebody, God will give me somebody's name, and I'll sit there and I'll type it in and say, hey, man, God put you on my heart. I'm praying for you. I don't know what's going on but God's got this. And the encouragement I get back, how did you know what I was going through? I didn't, but God did. And for that person on my heart, and if you guys, my wife, I've got everybody's phone number in my phone. If I've ever called you, texted you, I've got you saved in my phone. I've got people, I don't even, half of them are probably even around. But I've still got your number and I'm gonna text you if God puts you on my heart. Now, if I haven't texted you personally, I don't have your number or God didn't put you on my heart. Don't, don't be mad at me. Be God at God, mad at God. But we have to be four people, and that's what you do. You make yourself available because Jesus made himself available. What would happen if you showed up at church, for some of you, on time, 15 minutes early, just hung out in the lobby and just see people? Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, you know my mom's been sick. Oh, really? Yeah, can we, if you get a chance, will you pray for her? Do you know how many times it's, it'd be easy for me? Because I don't know if you know this, I'm a, I'm a little ADHD squirrel. And if you ask me to pray for somebody, if I don't pray for it right now, I'm going to forget. Because if I grew up now, if I was a kid now, I'd be on so much medication. But it's not a deficit. It's actually a superpower that helps me focus and, and uh, stay on task on some things. I get hyper-focused so I can get things solved. But I also know that it's a weakness from the standpoint of I have to, if you ask me to pray, I have to pray for you right then, right there. Because otherwise I'll forget. And listen, delayed obedience is disobedience. If God wants you to pray, you need to pray. You need to pray right now. I digress, squirrel. We got to be for God, for people. Now, flip it a little bit. We're going to go Matthew 28. We got the great commandment. What's the other one? Great commission. Huh, what's that? This is what Jesus gave to his disciples right before he left. If you look at Matthew 28, 16, it's the, literally the last paragraph in the book of Matthew. You can flip over there. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. No one's going to say, hey, I think you should go. They didn't say, well, listen, I've got plans. I've got soccer practice. So how about I go next week? No, go. If God tells you to go, you go. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I don't know why that sticks with me, but I don't want to be that guy. Jesus told them to go. And then when he saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, did you hear that word? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Doesn't matter whether it's around the corner or around the world, we're not going to stop 
reach, trying to reach people for Jesus. It takes relationships. Relationships take time. It's a commitment. God was chasing after you longer than you ever thought about turning around and saying yes. So therefore, we're going to go out. We're going to tell, Robbie, how do we do that? Easy. Start with the first one. We got to be for community. Where's community? Community's all the way around you. It's where you, you work, shop, sleep, go to school. Community is everywhere you go. How do we do that? How do we impact our community? Easy. First one, we set up for you. Do you know there's this thing called uh, uh, Harvest, uh, Harvest Festival we're having at the end of the month? It's the last Sunday. Some of y'all don't know. You don't read the life guides. It's okay. I forgive you. The last Sunday of the month, we're getting together. It's going to be in the afternoon. We're going to come. We're going to have church. We're going to go eat lunch. And for some of you, take a nap. I don't know what that is. I have a three-year-old. But we're going, we're going to come back here, and we're going to have fun. Simple as that, fun. We're going to have inflatables. We're going to have food. We're going to have face paintings. We're going to have balloon animals. We're going to have rides. We're going to have a lot of fun. What if you cared enough about your single mom neighbor with three kids that you invite them to come because you know they have a lot of energy, probably on a lot of medication, but they have a lot of energy. Do you know what the mom's going to say? Hey, you're feeding me and you're getting all the energy out of my kid. You're now ministering to the mom. And when you minister to the mom, you give them an opportunity because I can't come and beat you up about Jesus if you're worrying about where your next meal's coming from. So if I provide you a meal, they're going to go, hey, maybe I can talk to you about this Jesus guy. February's coming up. Guys, you watch football. What happens in February? Super Bowl. I'm sorry, wait, you can't say that because of copyright. Big game. We're going to have a big game party here. Yeah, some of y'all don't know that. We're going to put the game up on the screen. We're going to bring people in here. We're going to have a big chili cook-off. Yes, can you tell them a planner? We're talking about February. We haven't even had Christmas yet. Oh, my gosh. Christmas comes December 25th every year. Did y'all know that? It's crazy. Super Bowl, we're going to convert this entire room into a giant watch party. We're going to have the game up on the screen. We're going to have to tell people to invite your friends. We're not going to talk about Jesus. We're not going to thump you with the Bible. We're not going to uh, interrupt the game to show the passion of the Christ or anything like that. We're going to love people. Why would you do that, Robbie? Simple. Because when we love on people, when we meet them where they're at, whenever their life falls apart, they're going to come to you because they say, hey, you remember that church when we were going through a divorce and I didn't know what to do and they supported me and they loved on me? I think I'm going to go check that church out when they decide to go to church. That's loving on your community. That's being there. We want to be the church that, if, if, God forbid, this ever happened. But we want to be the church that if we ever have to shut our doors for whatever reason, the community is lined up beating on our doors saying, you can't close. We need you too much. You are literally the light on the hill that's shining over our community. And we need you too much for you to close. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. How about you? Listen, Clark and the students, they were tailgating. We're going to have a Super Bowl party. Uh, vacation Bible school. It's a big one. Vacation Bible school, we've got kids that come here that's never been here before. You know why? Because child care is expensive. And sometimes mom and dad need a break. Sometimes they come and they sit in the parking lot and they just close their eyes and go, shh, you hear that? No kids. It's amazing. It happens. They come in, they have fun. And we wear them out and they go home, they go to bed and it's a good night. Sometimes we have to meet them exactly where they are. 
How about this? How about we just help those in need in our community? How about we step up and fill in the gap for some of those that are hurting? How about the 11B ministry that meets downtown every Monday night and they, get, they give the homeless people food and they give them a shower? Do you, you don't understand like the luxury you have. If you have a home and you have a shower and you have a working commode, that's a luxury that most people don't always have. We are so spoiled in America that we have this. A hot shower to someone who hasn't showered in a week is amazing. You see the look on their face come, their disposition changes. They walk in and they feel all grimy and gross. I mow the yard and I feel grimy and gross and I'm like, don't touch me. Can you imagine not having a home? Meet the people where they are. We have so many ministries out in the hallway that do that. They meet people right here in our community. We have the opportunity, but are we stepping up? And the last one, we have to be for the world. Whether it's around the corner or around the globe, we're going to do stop nothing short of sin to reach people for Christ. That's a bold statement. We send people all over the country, all over the world. We have mission trips that go up to Kentucky. We have mission, mission teams that go to Dominican Republic, Honduras, Guatemala, uh, Kenya, Africa. Have you been on a mission trip? Listen, y'all don't understand the luxury you're sitting on. Because right now, the way that Pastor Joe and Pastor Tim and Pastor Clark have things set up, you can't go on a mission trip for less than like five, $6,000 because of travel. The gas is so outrageous to get on the plane and travel there. But you can go there for a fraction of the cost because they've partnered with this Baptist mission board who's able to fund half the trip. Go on a mission trip. It will change your life. My goal was for all my girls to go on a mission trip before they were the age of 15. That way they could go and see when they come back, they're like, oh, hey, we got it really nice here. I'm sorry about complaining about the Wi-Fi is too slow. At least you have Wi-Fi. You don't have to go through the woods to go to the toilet. Life is good, but we get spoiled and we get complacent and we just live in our own world. Listen, there's nothing more than the enemy wants to do is to get you complacent and get you stagnant and not moving. I love this quote by Margaret Mead. It said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful committed citizens can change the world because indeed it's the only thing they ever has. Jesus had a motley crew of 12 people. One of them deserted him. And look, we're still talking about him over 2,000 years later. What would happen if the church of Turkey Hills got on fire and everybody got in the boat and everybody grabbed an oar and was rowing in the same direction? What would happen if that kind of energy took over in Knox County, Anderson County, Roan County, Campbell County, Ray County, Blunt County? Imagine if we lit that match right here in the middle of Knox County and just let it burn out like a wildfire you see in, in, in the Sahara Desert. What would that be like? So we've got, we've got to be for God, for people, for the community, for the world. Now here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. This is where I'm going to step on some toes. This is where some of y'all are going to be mad at me. And listen, don't be mad at me. Be mad at God. I'm just a messenger. Remember, I have no authority over you. I can't make you do anything. If I could, I would make my daughters do the dishes at night, but they don't. But on your life, God, there's a little thing. It's called, it says on there, personal inventory. There's some blanks and a yes and no. Now listen, this is not for public consumption. 
This is not for you to put it out on Facebook. This is not for you to share with your spouse, your significant other, your kids. This is for you, nobody else, okay? Are we clear? We're going to walk through a personal inventory. We're going to see where you are. Because here in a minute, we're going to have a chance to, to talk about it, a chance to work on it. So first, we're going to look at how can we be a church on the move? How can we be that church like an axe? Because it all starts with us, right? It's funny, if you ever point a finger, how many fingers are pointing back at you? Thank you. Three fingers pointing back at you. Someone said, well, you got a thumb. Okay, whatever. Starts with us. So blank number one, salvation. Mm. Are you saved? Some of of y'all aren't going to put anything in. That's okay. Some of y'all don't put, yes, of course I'm saved. I go to church. Not the case. Just because you go to church. It's kind of like going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. But the struggle is real sometimes. But we want to be a place where you can process your own doubt before you own your own faith. So some of you sitting in the rows right now may not have a, a personal relationship with Jesus, but that's okay. Because we're going to deal with that in a minute. Next, baptism. Have you been baptized? I'm not talking about sprinkled, spritzed, misted. I'm talking about full immersion. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. How many of y'all have been baptized and came back up? Some of you were baptized when you were eight years old. That was me. I got saved and I was baptized, eight years old, Methodist church. Why do I know it was 1982? Because I have the Bible that they gave me that printed on it and it's sitting in my drawer. All tattered and wore out, but I still have it. But here's the funny thing. I got saved when I was eight and I believe that kids can get saved. I believe that they can accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'm not questioning that. I did it for a hot dog and a t-shirt at the VBS. You laugh because you know what I'm talking about. I went through life thinking I was a Christian, went to youth group, went on mission trips, everything. It was great. I totally walked away from the church my senior year and didn't walk in the doors of a church for 10 years because I was done with religion. Met my wife. She drug me to church. I got saved at the age of 28. And that started a whole nother journey. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Attending church, yes or no? You're here today, so you can mark yes. But here's the thing. Scripture tells us that in Hebrews 10, and let us consider how we spur on one another towards the love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. When we meet, there's something powerful about meeting in a space together to be able to hug somebody, be able to say hi to somebody, high five them, help them, pray for them. There's something about the energy being in the room when it happens. Some of y'all will get that reference. Hamilton, great movie, love it. But here's the thing. Barna does a survey. They do, they, they do all kinds of surveys. They got surveys out the wazoo. Barna did a survey and said that most Christians consider themselves regular attenders if they attend church once every three weeks. Actually, studies come out now saying it's more like once every four weeks. So what that means is you can come to church once a month and every once in a while there'll be a month where you double up just because of the way that every three weeks happens and you're considered a Christian. Let me ask you this. If you had a relationship, whether your spouse, your parents, your kids, if you only saw them once every three weeks, how good would that relationship be? 
Not so good. Some of y'all remember pen pals. You write a letter, you put it in the mail, it goes somewhere, it comes back three weeks later. You may get back to responding to it in a couple of weeks and then eventually you just stop. That's why long distance relationships hardly ever work. But if we're only coming to church once every three to four weeks, how are we getting filled? How are we being re-energized, renewed? Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. But this is the part that recharges you and you get to go back out in the world. And when you miss this, now don't get me wrong, everybody needs to take a vacation. I don't want Pastor Joel to see this and say like, he's, he's slamming me for not being there. No, we have online church for a reason. It's, it's, if you're out of town, you can watch it. If you miss something, you can go back and watch it. But it's not a substitute for being in the room when it happens. There's something about being in the room when it happens. How about this? Next one, groups. How many of y'all attend groups? Just yes or no, simple. Got real quiet real quick. Because here's the deal. We have about 10 groups in the Church of Turkey Hills. We are desperate for to start new groups. You're like, Robbie, I've looked. I can't find a group because I need a group that meets on Wednesday that has ch- or Thursday that has childcare, and I can't find a group. Start one. Start one. Nobody in here comes in and says, I, I have a four-year degree in groups. Nobody. Have you ever had a, a party to watch a football game? How many of y'all have attended a Tennessee football watch party? If you can attend a Tennessee watch party, you can have a group. Because here's the thing. You can go out and you can get curriculum. You can buy videos. You can buy books. Y'all, you have to do it. They give you the questions. Some of them even tell you that this might be a question. If they ask this question and you ask this question, you don't have to know. You don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to have years of experience to lead a group. All you have to do is be able to open up your home and serve some nachos every now and then and love on some people and meet them where they're at. Some of you are like, Robbie, I can't be, I can do a group. My house is so small. I can't get four people in there. Great. Susie over here has a big house. But she doesn't feel confident enough to do it because she likes speaking in public. You won't hush. You like talking. You like hearing yourself talk. If you come over here and you meet at Susie's house, guess what? We got a group. Group is where it happens. Information, trans- information dissemination happens in rows, like where you're sitting in right now. Life transformation happens in circles. Pastor Joe, believe this or not, Pastor Joe cannot be at your beck and call every minute of every day. He's only a man, a very good man, but he can't do it all. You need to be in a small group. Small group is where, where my marriage was saved. It's where the rubber meets the roads. It's where the people prayed about me going in vocational ministry. I've still got friends that I was in small group with 10, 15, 20 years ago that I still call on when I need something now. If you don't have a family, get into a group, they become your family. They will love on you, I promise you. How about this? How about serving? How many of y'all serve? Mm. Robbie, listen, I'm busy. I get it. Jesus served? You saying you're better than Jesus? You don't need to serve? Robbie, you don't understand my time commitment. How about being a greeter? Do you know all you have to do is be able to stand up front, smile and wave and say, Welcome to church. Thank you for coming to church. You just got to be able to smile. I know some of y'all, that's a stretch. You can't smile. I get it. But we have behind the scenes stuff too. Did you know that shopping is a spiritual gift? What? 
some of you are nailing it on Amazon right now. You're finding deals. You're like, yeah, but I got this for 50% off. Do you know that Megan and Kelsey, every week they have to prepare lessons for the kids so that when they come in, they have something to do? Do you know that there's, there's times when people can come in and actually cut stuff out for Megan and Kelsey? Do you know that Clark has people that cooks for them so that when the kids come in on Wednesday night, they have a warm meal? Because some of them don't get a warm meal except for on Wednesday night. Do you know the worship team? They get here like 6, 7 in the morning, and they don't leave till 1 o'clock. Some of them don't eat breakfast. Do you know we have people that come in, they cook breakfast for the worship team, and they come and serve it? What? You mean I don't have to talk to people? No. Some of y'all don't need to talk to people. If we're being real, that's me stepping on your toes. Serve. You don't have to have a theological degree to love somebody. You just have to be available. Now, remember when I told you that if you had any complaints, to send them to Tim? Have I told you how much I love you lately? Because this is going to be the one that steps on toes. This is going to be the one that upsets some people. And I'm sorry. But are you giving? Did you hear that grunt? Mmm. Mmm. I knew it. All the church wants is my money. Listen, don't get it twisted. I don't want your money. I don't want your money. Joel doesn't want your money. Tim sometimes wants your money when he looks at, at the bills, but we don't need your money. We don't have any millionaire givers, but we've got a lot of blue-collar people that give their, their tens and their twenties. They put them in the plate. All of our bills have been paid. There's a lot of churches right now that are closing their doors because they can't keep, they can't make ends meet. The church circuit is very blessed. Some of you think, oh, that's that prosperity gospel. No, that's scripture. You can't ask God to make your heart, give him half your heart and make him, ask him to make it whole. So if you're not giving, now I'm not saying you need, you need to start right now. You need to back pay for the last 20 years and you need to give us $1 million. That's not what I'm saying. But I will tell you that Cassie and I, we weren't giving for a long time. We were in church. We couldn't afford to give. We had more, we had more ends than we had means. And we're like, we can't afford to give. There's no way we can give. Because at the time, we had two little babies. We had three girls, had two little babies. They weren't in diapers and formula. When you have babies that are 18 months apart, it happens. And they weren't on just regular formula. They were on the really special formula. You know, the one that they only, the only like 2% of the people in the United States have to have. That's our girls because we're overachievers. Expensive. And the pastor said, hey, you need to be giving. He's like, you need to be giving me money so I can get back to you because I ain't got no money. But here's the deal. We would pay the rent, the light bill, the groceries, the car payments, uh, cable, cell phones. We pay all this other stuff. And then whatever we had left over down here, we gave to God. But let's be real. If we're give, putting God first in a situation, he comes off the top, right? But Robbie, you don't understand. I do. I really do. Because at the time, pastor came up and said, hey, we're going to do what's called a 90-day money-back guarantee. Who? Hmm? What do you mean? If you give for 90 days and you don't see a significant increase in your spiritual life, you don't see God move in your life, we'll give you all the money back. 
That's interesting. So how do you do that? So, well, if you give, you can't say, like come in and say, you got to give a check or, or online so it's traceable, but you can't come in and say, hey, I gave $50,000 in the offering last week and my life isn't better, so I want my money back. Doesn't work that way. Tim would go nuts. But here's the deal. I really believe that if you give, God will bless you. And if you have a safety net, the more people are willing to do it. Let me tell you what we did. We, had two, we did the bills. We had $200 left. Still needed diapers, still needed formula. Didn't know what we were going to do, but we made a commitment that we were going to follow God. We were going to put God first in everything we do. So we gave the $200. Online, gone. Oh, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to be sick. I can't believe we just did that. Are we stupid? No, we're following God. Oh my gosh, I hate this. Didn't sleep at all last that night. I had the diarrhea since Easter. I was sick. Cassie, Cassie went out to the mailbox the next day. We had bills. You know who I'm talking about, this guy Bill. He lives at everybody's house. I don't know who he is. I'd like to give him off his mail. There's Bill, Bill, Bill. And there's an envelope. Here's the crazy thing about the envelope. The envelope didn't have any name on it. We know who it was for. Didn't have a stamp on it, how to get in our mailbox. Huh. So we opened it up. Guess what we found in the envelope? $200 cash. Now, I'd like to say that if you tithe regularly, you're just going to have $200 cash to show up in your mailbox. It's not the case. We don't know where it came from. We think we have an idea, but we didn't tell anybody we were starting the tithing journey. We didn't, we didn't publicize it. We didn't put it on Facebook. I don't even know if Facebook was a thing then. But it's really weird that when you put God first, God's going to take care of you. I remember one time, transmission went out on my truck. We didn't have money. It's like, it's like $1,200 replaced transmission. Guess what? Next day, we got a rebate check because we overpaid on our house insurance by $1,200. Okay, I see what you're doing. We get random Visa gift cards in the mail because we signed up for something and they mail it to you and they say it's going to be there in six weeks, but really it's going to show up in six months when you least expect it. God's always taking care of us. And now, as soon as we get paid, the first thing we do is we pay that tithe, pay that tithe. And over the years, we've been able to increase the tithe. We're actually giving over. That's not bragging. That's not saying, ooh, look at Robbie. That's not saying God's faithful. This is the one of the things that God says, try me on, test me on this and see if it's true. So that's what I'm going to do for you. Talk to Joel. Of course, I'm going to run everything by Joel because that way, if it goes wrong, it's his fault, not mine. But, if you will start tithing, because some of you all check no, if you'll start tithing, if you'll do it for 90 days, like I said, do it online, do it in check, however it is so it's traceable. If your life isn't considerably better and you haven't seen God move in your life, we'll give you all the money back. And I say that with confidence because here's the thing. We don't need your money. The church at Cirque Hills is financially stable. Actually giving's up this year. But it's not because we have big givers. It's because we have committed givers, consistently giving 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%. When you put God first, God shows off. I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of churches right now that they're actually shrinking because financially they can't afford it. We're sitting here trying to figure out what can we do next because God's blessed us so much. So I'm gonna invite the, the band back out. And we're going to spend a little bit of time. And I want you to look at your list. 
And be honest. Don't worry about somebody looking over your shoulder. What's your next step? Because if we really want to be for God, we really want to be for people, for our community, and we want to be for the world, we need to be for those as well. So look at your paper. What's your next step? What can you start? They're going to play a song, and I want us to just, just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to come and move and ask us, where do I need to be? What's my next move? Where do I need to move next? Maybe it's as simple as tithing. Maybe it's groups. I don't know what your situation is. But I do know that God loves you and God's bigger than any of your problems. And anytime you look at a problem and say, my problem's so big, you stop and you tell them, my God is bigger. Because I'm a living, walking, breathing testimony of God's goodness. I'm just a poor white boy from Oliver Springs, Tennessee, who said yes to Jesus. And I said yes to God. And he's continued to bless my family over and over again. So as the band starts to play, I just want to pray over you guys. I'm going to come back out in a minute because there's one more thing I need to talk about. But I want to create space where God can move in this room right now. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, you know the situations. You know what everybody in this room is going through. You know what the next steps are. But God, we're asking for some supernatural faith. We're asking that you be able to move. God, help us see what you want us to do. Help us be who you want us to be because God, we desperately want you to move not only in our lives, but in our community. But God, it starts with putting you first. So breathe on us. Let us know, give us the courage to step out. Give us the boldness to do that thing that we, you know, we know you've been telling us to do for a while, but God, we haven't done it because we're scared. Life's scary. But God, you always said that you're gonna be there to protect us. You're gonna, be, you're gonna be our shelter that we can run to in times of trouble. So God, we're gonna lean on you and we're gonna take our next step in faith because God, you're worth it. We're gonna make room for you in our lives and put you first. In your name we pray, amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.